With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I had a great, great holiday weekend. Threw my wife's phone, didn't throw it. It dropped into the lake. I went in. Oh, it was not great. Had an unbelievable time watching football. Unbelievable time. Playing a little pickleball, eating, drinking. What a great weekend. Let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. And I know there's a lot of great holidays in this great country of ours. I'm saying great a lot, but that's how I feel today. But in this wonderful country of ours, there is no better holiday than Labor Day. Think about it. Labor Day means what? means great temperatures usually. Unbelievable sports on our television. I don't know if you watched this, but the U.S. Open, Medvedev and Kyrgios Saturday night was ridiculously good. Not kind of good, ridiculously good. Now, I understand everybody was watching the LSU-Florida State game, and rightfully so. But my God, I kept getting drawn back. As I said, weather perfect, grill was working. It is literally our most underrated holiday, and I say thank you. I say thank you to whoever was smart to celebrate our workers. I'm not going to look up the meaning of Labor Day because I'm not going to lie to you. Labor Day is one of those days where I don't get deep into the meaning. I'm sure it has great meaning. I'm sure I'm some kind of bad guy. I'm sure I'm some kind of ist for not paying attention to it. Memorial Day, certainly. Fourth of July, always. Veterans Day, I'm there. Christmas, Easter, I understand it. Labor Day, I'm like, eh, free day off. And it was, and it is, and it was absolutely glorious. My wife and I went on a boat, and we did it for breakfast. That's right, we did it for breakfast. That's the kind of elitist we are. Took a big carafe of coffee, went out on this boat right here on our little lake, and we just cruised around. That's right, we did. I beat her 4-1 to in pickleball, major upset. I'm running on sticks, but that's the kind of athlete I am. But I got to tell you, I, I just think Labor Day is one for the ages, and here's why. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care about NIL. I'm watching on my television college football, and I don't care who's getting what. I don't. I don't care who transferred from where. It doesn't matter to me even a little bit. In fact, it really never has, except when guys transferred from me. Or I got a transfer in to me. But I got to tell you, I don't care about coaches' salaries. You can't pay coaches enough. You can't. I'm sorry. You cannot pay football coaches in college, the highly successful ones, enough. What Nick Saban has done for Alabama can't be repaid. It just can't be. I literally, when I say this, don't sit there and go, huh, B.J., whatever that bad quarterback is for Clemson, Got millions with Dr. Pepper. Don't care. What I care about is he's not very good, which for a long time gave Georgia Tech a chance. 
I don't care whether the running back at Texas drives a Lamborghini. I just want to see if Texas can play Alabama. And why do you care? Why does anybody care about these things? Why do we care so much about what other people make? Why has that become a thing? In the United States, it's supply and demand. It's free market. If the market says you get it, you get it. But we sit around and we whine and we say, well, you know, he transferred. They're playing with a bunch of transfers. Don't care. Why would I care? I want to be able to do whatever I am doing, and this is what was beautiful about Saturday. Whatever you were doing, you could come in and there was a great football game. I went to Illinois State. My wife, myself, my mom, her friend, we all went to Illinois State to visit my son. He's a basketball coach there. I got to tell you, we planned it around when the Ohio State game started. That's right, we did, yes. And I'm sure you do as well. Andrew gave us a beautiful tour of the campus. We rode one. We were cool. We were one of the cool kids. We rode. All colleges now have these um, golf carts, souped up golf carts that they take recruits around campus. We got in the back. We rode around. We got out. We looked at the union. We looked at different places. It was glorious. It was fantastic. It was awesome. And we went back to his place. And you know what we did? We ordered Giordano's. Why? Because the football game was coming on at 6.30, Ohio State, Notre Dame. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You planned the day around it. And you know what? When we got back to uh, to his house, you know what was already rocking and rolling? Florida taking on, who the hell did they beat? Utah. Florida, Utah was already going, and I got introduced to Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I did. I did. I got introduced to Anthony Richardson and the greatness that is Florida. Now, I'm going to get into Florida. I'm going to get into some of these schools. Don't be telling me they're back yet. I'm the voice of reason here. But the truth of the matter is that game was on. So I hope you're like me and you go, wait a second here. Labor Day. I learned about Labor and Memorial Day when I was at Bowling Green. I lived on a golf course. We lived on one of the tee boxes. Bowling Green isn't a big community. It's a little college town. But I'll tell you this, man, starting on Friday after workouts, or even if I let my players off, we were out there on the golf course. We were playing golf on Friday. We were playing golf Saturday morning. We were cooking. I learned the beauty of Labor Day. And when Labor Day Monday night came, I got to tell you, I was sad. I was sad. And I'm that way now. Right now, I am sad when Labor Day is over because it's another year until Labor Day. I want Labor Day every minute of every, I want Labor Day every weekend. Every weekend should be Labor Day weekend. Give me football or give me death. And on top of it, you know what else I had? I don't know if you're watching, but House of Dragons is pretty daggone good. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to bore you with it. But House of Dragons is pretty daggone good and me likey. I've watched Game of Thrones not once, but twice. This is a prequel. And then, of course, yesterday, after I whooped up on my wife, and then I do a two-mile walkabout where I clean up stuff. Uh, I don't have prop. I guess you'd call it property at my house, right? I walk around for two miles. I pick up sticks. I made a fire. I trimmed the trees. I trimmed all. I got out the weed whacker. You know, I did man stuff. I do it for two miles. By that time, I was tired. I came in, and what was on my TV? 
an unbelievable uh, tennis match. Incredible tennis match. And Rafa, my man, Nadal, was getting his brains beat out. And it was fan-freaking-tastic. And now I got a new, te- I got a new favorite tennis player. I'm going to give you his name. He's such a favorite of mine. Sebastian Tifo. Tiafo. Yeah. No, no, no. Don't at me, people. I have a new favorite. I have a new favorite tennis player. Why? Why, you ask? Well, what do you mean why? Because it was Labor Day. Used to be, and this has always been a great thing, right? Labor Day used to be great. And then on Monday, you know, you, you had the Jerry Lewis telethon, which was awesome. And then we'd all go out and play. You know, we didn't have any money. We weren't giving it a Jerry Lewis telethon. So we all went out and played. But yesterday, I came in from being outside and playing. And my man, my new favorite player, uh, Francis Tiafo from Maryland, lived in a car. His dad was a custodian at a tennis center. They let Francis play. They let him play again. He got good. He got really good. Uh Uh-oh. And then I saw him interviewed. Holy cow, what a great dude. He said, I felt like the world stopped when he won. He said, bro, I was going crazy when LeBron James gave him a tweet, uh, a, 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 uh, a Twitter shout out. His parents immigrated from West Africa in the 90s. He ended up in Maryland. How about that? His dad helped construct a tennis center for juniors, and then was a maintenance man there. His mom was a nurse working two jobs. Tiafo and his twin brother Franklin were born in 98. And then next thing you know, they're playing and playing and playing. And next thing you know, they're beating Rafa. It's an unbelievable story. Unbelievable. All right. Just relax, will you? Now, I hate saying that because one thing that I am, I am all in on enthusiasm. Anybody that knows me knows that I am first team all hyperbola. I will hyperbola anything. Everything's the greatest. It's the best. I've never seen anything like it. You name it. That's what I do. I do. But I got to tell you, let's go through who we're relaxing on. First and foremost, can we please, can we please relax on how Brian Kelly is no good? Just stop it, stupid. Look. I get tired of that. My man, and I like him a lot, Paul Feinbaum said, hey, they paid $10 million for that? Well, all right. Don't get your kick blocked and you're in business. They paid more than $10 million. They're going to pay a lot more than $10 million. Stop it, Stosh. Anyway, don't count out Brian Kelly. Here's what's going to happen, and this, I, I guarantee you, is going to happen. It's going to happen today, tomorrow, the next day. It's just going to happen. LSU is going to beat Southern. They're going to beat Mississippi State. They're going to beat New Mexico. They're going to win at Auburn, and it's going to set up a massive matchup with Tennessee. They're going to go on a four-game run. They are. I'm sorry. They're going to go on a four-game run, and I don't get why everybody's going to lose their freaking mind. Uh, Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. They're going to be four and one. And if they beat Tennessee, then everything's going to be fine. But right now we're sitting there going, whoa, Brian Kelly, 
Brian Kelly stinks. Brian Kelly, we paid 10 million? What? No, I'm looking at it. I think it's way more than that. By the time Brian Kelly is done, it's going to be like 100 million you're going to pay him. I'm just telling you. So just relax on Brian. Everybody wants to get so much. Think about this. Think about how good LSU looked in that last drive. All right. Did you expect Brian Kelly to win the national championship? No, but I expected him to beat Florida State. Maybe. Just maybe Florida State's good. I'll get to them in a second. Just relax. Brian Kelly will have this at like, I don't know. Eight and four, and he'll be building, and next thing you know, they'll be in the championship quest. And, and stop. The easiest thing to do in football, college or pro, is to overreact. It just is. I'm sorry. It is. Just don't. Southern, Mississippi at home, New Mexico at home, at Auburn. They'll win all four. Then it sets up Tennessee, and then we'll see. Let's say they lose that, then they'll win four more. Just stop with the whole Brian Kelly. Stop. Also, stop with Ohio State being overrated. What are you supposed to do? Beat everybody by 100? Isn't the other team trying to? Isn't the other team the sixth-ranked team in the country, or did I miss something? It seemed to me that Ohio State didn't open up with New Mexico State. I don't know. Was Elon on the schedule? It looked to me, I don't know. Like, oh, by the way, maybe it was the sixth-ranked team in the country with the greatest hyped coach in the world, Marcus Freeman. Yay! Marcus Freeman looked very lost in his bowl game. He didn't look lost this time. Good for him. His team played really hard. His team looked well set up. His team looked aggressive. His team just wasn't good enough to go into the horseshoe and win. Next year will be a litmus test for uh, – What's this Marcus Freeman? Can his team win at home against Ohio, against Ohio State? We'll see. But they just weren't simply good enough. Ohio State wasn't great. C.J. Stroud did nothing to enhance his Heisman tro- uh, Trophy candidacy, although he's still the favorite. I mean, damn, the dude got a win over Notre Dame. Doesn't that mean anything anymore? Or do- it just doesn't. It, it, no? Nothing? I, nothing? Uh, okay, let me go this route. A win over the sixth-ranked team in the country. Doesn't that mean anything anymore? Nothing? You could argue that Florida and Ohio State got the two best wins of the weekend. I mean, can't you? I think you can. But damn. People are killing Ohio State. Well, they're not any good. Well, they were ill-prepared. Well, you know, what? What? What are you talking about? Let me tell you something. As a coach, here's what you do after the game. Let's see. Uh, The coach is Ryan Day, probably has a lake house somewhere. You get in the car, you do your media stuff, and you drive to your lake house because you got one night of just enjoying. There's probably a lake somewhere that... Ryan Day has a place, and it feel like all coaches have lake houses somewhere. I remember when I went down to watch Urban Crush, I think it was the Citadel. I didn't want to go to a good game. Knew they were going to crush him when he was in Florida. He's like, hey, Doc, we're all going out to lake house. I got a catered thing there. 
right, it was awesome. Took my son, my nephew, we took uh, Urban's son, and we just shoop, out to the lake house. It was great. What are you talking about? That's what you do. You just beat Ohio State. Stop it, stupid. All right, now let's talk about Florida and Florida State, particularly Florida State. Florida State's back, really? All right. We'll see. I'll tell you why. They're going to go to Louisville. Now, Louisville looked absolutely horrendous. Like, Syracuse might be good. I don't know, but absolutely horrendous. I watched some of that, too. My wife coached at Syracuse. My stepkids are from Syracuse. So, Syracuse, Eric Coley is a great friend of the family. He's a safety for Syracuse. So, we watched some Syracuse. Syracuse looked good. Louisville looked bad. So, Florida State will win. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Florida State's got BC, Wake, and then at North, uh, at North Carolina State, and then Clemson. So you got three of the next four at home, which if you're back and you're Florida State, you win them all. You win them all. Sorry, but you do. If you're Florida State and you're back, now remember what back is at Florida State. Back at Florida State is like really good, right? I mean, really, really good. You go beat Louisville at Louisville because Louisville stinks. You beat Boston College, even though Boston College looked all right. Not great, but all right. Wake Forest, without their quarterback, looked terrific. North Carolina State, not so great. I'll get to them in a minute. And then Clemson. Woo! If you're back, you win all of them because Clemson's at home. I don't think they're back quite yet. I don't. I'm sorry, I don't. Maybe I should, but I don't. I'm not saying they're not back. I'm not saying they are back. I'm just saying we're going to see. And before everybody jumps up and down, stands on their head and craps snowballs, let's just take a moment and see. All right? Let's just do that, shall we? All right? Let's talk about Florida. Is Florida back? And oh, by the way, let me ask you a question. What does Florida being back mean? What does it mean? I tell you what I think it means. I mean, if we're going to talk about college football in Florida and we're going to talk about back, uh, I think, ladies and gentlemen, we got to talk about playing for national championships. We got to talk about getting things done. We got to talk about whooping ass. That's right. Not just showing up and winning a game or two. Back in Florida is Spurrier and Meyer. Back in Florida is not Zook. I'm sorry. It's not. It's Spurrier. It's Meyer. All of a sudden, are you back? Don't know. But you had a nice win over Utah. And again, if I'm Billy Napier, you know what I'm doing? Got to be a lake house somewhere. Every stinking football coach, basketball coach talks about, well, we go to the lake. All right. Hell, I cut out the middle, man. We just live on a lake. I ain't mad about it. But anyway, let's talk about Florida. They had a nice win. Anthony Richardson, you can make the argument, most dynamic player of week one. Would you agree? I certainly would agree. I mean, hell, I agree so much I just said it. But the deal is this, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the deal. You tell me. All right? I'll make this very simple. Kentucky comes into the swamp next week. USF and then at Tennessee. There is your back. Because later on, they got to go to uh, Georgia. They got to go to Texas A&M. They got to go to Florida State. They got Tennessee. That's the big one. So if these teams are back, we shall see what we shall see. See, I always go to schedule. 
You guys go to a win where you go, oh, my God, I can't believe. Oh, my God, it's the best I ever saw. We had a big win. I can't believe how good we are. We are back. Sam Ellinger, Texas, we're back. No, you're not. All right. Can Notre Dame win by losing? What? This is impossible for me to wrap my head around. You got to understand, I grew up 10 minutes, not 10 minutes, I grew up an hour from South Bend. Head west, young man, and you will hit Maryville, Indiana, home of me. And a bunch of Notre Dame fans because I went to a Catholic school, so everybody was Notre Dame fans. All right, here's the deal. Can Notre Dame win by losing? What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. That means that so many people, so many people, were telling me before the game, you know, we're cool with Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame as long as they play the breaks off Ohio State. I'm like, yeah? For real? As long as they play the breaks off Ohio State, you're good? Got to remember, this is Notre Dame. You're supposed to win every game. You know, the thunder from the sky, touchdown Jesus. I mean, the most obnoxious, fat-headed alumni in America. Every Notre Dame guy looks the same. He's a tallish, dorky white guy with floppy hair and a big head. Serious business. That's what Notre Dame alum looks like. I got a bunch of them that are friends of mine. I went to school with them. A lot of kids from my school went to Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame or can Notre Dame win by losing? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm taking Marshall in the points this week. Marshall looked damn good. Seriously. Yeah. Don't at me. We'll get into that later on in the week. I didn't have a great gambling week. I did. But Notre Dame all of a sudden, see, um, the hype train for Marcus Freeman is, well, you have to or else you'll get called an ist or else you get called a hater, or else I don't even know. But Marcus Freeman needs to win football games. He starts 0-2 at Notre Dame. You can't go 0-3. You can go 0-2. People make excuses. Well, the bowl game, you know, you didn't have your players. And, of course, this first game, well, you know, it was there. And I agree. But Marcus Freeman, I'm just a – hey, look, you know what I am? I'm a realist. And I've watched Notre Dame coaches get crushed. I watched Lou Holtz after playing a tie game where they were lucky to get a tie against Michigan at Notre Dame, my wife and I, my then wife and I walked around campus and I saw Lou Holt. I mean, they were hanging him. They were screaming, fire Holtz, get rid of Holtz. I'm like, whoa, I'm looking going, is this real? This can't be real. Yeah, I've seen him my whole life. I remember when Eric Parsegan was a bad guy. I do. Hey, and if you think that Marcus Freeman is going to be exempt to this, you're right for about one more game. 20 and a half point favorite is Marshall. Marshall's pretty good. I don't know where I watched him, but I happened to see. Maybe it was highlights. I watched so much this weekend, I can't even tell you. But Marshall's pretty damn good. 20 and a half points? I'll make that 21 and a half, and my toes are going to be tapping. Yeah, they are. All right. So, yes, Notre Dame can win by losing. I think people like Notre Dame after that game. We're going to see because Marshall's no 
joke. Georgia was by far the best team I saw all weekend. I'm sorry. I, I didn't really watch Alabama, Utah State. I like Utah State. Good friends of mine live in Logan. I've been to Logan. I like Logan. But I got to tell you, I ain't watching Alabama, Utah State with so many good football games are on. So I'm sure Alabama looked great. Probably could have put 100 on Utah State. But I'll tell you this, Georgia against frickin' uh, Oregon was an A-N- A-N-A-N-F-W for Oregon. Not a chance. I'll let you figure it out what absolutely no blanking way means. But you can figure that out. I'm just telling you, that was the best football team I've seen. Now, if you're going to tell me Stetson Bennett is just a game manager, I'm going to tell you, what the hell are you talking about? That dude threw for like 350. I'll get to him in a minute. That dude was unbelievable. That dude was incredible. Hey, Dylan, hey, Ryan, I'm going to go off on something here in a minute, so get ready. That's right, I am. It's not in the rundown. See, we actually are organized on this show. We have a rundown. If I were David Letterman, I would ball it up after the first page, and I would throw it at you. But make no mistake, the defense, awesome. The run game, terrific. Stetson Bennett, fantastic. There were no holes. There was no chance, actually. Bo Nix, God bless him. He went from Auburn. He went out to Oregon. He was going to be the savior. Blah, blah, blah. I'm sure he got a ton of green, but nah. Same old story for Bo Nix. Same old damn story. Same old story. Bo Nix plays against Georgia, gets his ass whipped. All right, file this under, it's always good to play the victim in the modern world. It is always good. You know, I really haven't talked about this whole BYU-Duke volleyball thing where there's apparently no evidence of any racial slurs being said. And, of course, the godmother of the Duke volleyball player, you know, she has a history of basically hating white people, which is fine. Uh, so there's no, there's no nothing. There is no evidence of anything. But it never hurts to be the victim. And in this case, the victim is Dawn Staley, the head basketball coach at South Carolina, who so uh, courageously, I mean, just courageously threw herself into the mix. She throws herself into the mix because I am the coach. And we must be victims. And if we're not going to be victims, then what is life all about? We're not going to play BYU because it's not in the best interest of our team. Let me tell you what's in the best interest of your team, Don Staley. The best interest of your team is to go out there and whoop their ass. That's the best interest of your team. The best interest of your team. Now, it's the best interest of you so you can win an ESPY, so you can be a victim, so you can talk about how courageous you are. But the truth of the matter is, going back to civil rights leaders, they stood up. Like John Saunders, the late, great John Saunders. The late, great John Saunders uh, and I went to the Civil Rights Museum in Birmingham, Alabama, and we had a wonderful time. He didn't realize my history. He, uh, and you know what? He learned, I learned, it was great. One thing I learned is that standing up has always been the way. 
You want to change something? You stand up. You want to change people's behavior? You stand up. You don't cower. You don't run away. You don't make up some excuse. You don't play victim. Look, you go out to BYU and you beat their ass. You got the best basketball team in the country. I don't feel that this is the right time for us to engage in this series. Yeah, okay. I'm not mad even a little bit. I'm not mad even a little. I don't really care. But I do know this. I do know that standing up is always good. And standing up is not running away. Standing up is not canceling. Standing up is not playing the victim. Standing up is not making yourself the honorary pace car driver or I'm going to get an SB or all the little slaps on ESPN are going to talk nice. You stand right up. That's what you do. You go in there and you whoop their backsides. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to have security. You know this. Uh, But you know what? At the end of the day, it's either that or you're into yourself and your little awards. And that's how I see it. You can get mad at me, but Don Staley did something that Don Staley, that helps Don Staley. It doesn't help the cause of shutting up bigots if, in fact, there are bigots there. It doesn't help the cause of slowing racism by saying, we're not going out there. Maybe it does. Maybe in Don Staley's mind it does. Maybe other schools will say, uh, and I can see Don and the rest pressuring other schools not to play. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, have looked into this, and they haven't found evidence at all. Don't we go by evidence? All right. That is what it is. I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying at all, not even a little bit, that BYU students didn't do that. I have no idea, but what I've read doesn't sound like it. And if you really want to shut people up, if you really want to smack them in the mouth, if you really want to embarrass them, you go in there and you whoop them. And then you educate them in the postgame. That's what I think you do. But it doesn't matter what I think. You got too many victims. Everybody's a victim. Nobody wants to stand up. Everybody wants to claim victim status. I've always said I'll not be a victim. I'll fight. I'll stand up. I'll go back at you. And if that's being a victim, then fine. But I think anyway, again, if there was all kind of evidence, hell, everybody's done an investigation into this. Everybody that should. Newspapers have. Police have. School has. Not one person can find evidence. Don Staley is doing Don Staley things. It's being a victim. Good for her. All right. Uh, when we come back, and it'll be just a minute, so there's nowhere to go. In fact, I wish you would go text people. I got to talk to you. Uh, it's a top. Oh, I'm sorry. Kyrios and Medvedev. I mentioned it earlier. Most athletic tennis match I've ever seen, and I can't wait for Kyrios. I can't wait to watch him play again. He's completely insane. He's totally a showman. He doesn't care about nothing other than winning, putting on a show. He's out of his mind fun. And Medvedev was right there with him, and it was the most athletic I've ever seen two tennis players. Look, Jimmy Connors in his hustle was great. John McEnroe in his hands. Lendl in his stoic, I'm going to crush you. Out of this world, great. Sampras, fantastic. Boris Becker, he's in jail, but he was great. I, Rafa, Federer, two of the best all time. The best, those two. I'll give those. I've never seen a more athletic tennis match in my life. And if you want to see something fun, watch the next time Kyrgios plays. It's incredible. Hey, I don't know whether he's going to win or not. Hell, he came that far from hitting the ball into the stands, hitting the spectator, 
and the match was over. But I'm telling you, if you like tennis, and I do like tennis, Kyrgios and Frick, look at these two, and Medvedev, most athletic I've ever seen. Never seen nothing like it. Never. We come back, I'll tell you how I dropped my wife's phone in the lake, and I'll recap the top five. You give me your top five. Who are your top five games? Number five is easy. Number one is easy. It's everything in between that's hard. We'll be right back. I'm going to tell you how I dropped my wife's phone in the freaking lake. What are you doing? Nah. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. All right, Saturday morning was going to be a glorious day. My wife and I, we jumped on a little boat, got a cup of coffee, set sail, went out, a little pontoon, drifted around the lake. Had coffee, nice conversation, just relaxed, right? Notice rain was coming in, so you got to put the top back on the boat. So, you know what? We got it out. I'm snapping. We're putting the top on. And to put the top on the boat, you got to leave a little bit in the front open. My wife crawls under and puts the poles in. Her stuff, her phone, and her glasses and this coffee mug were on the ground. I picked it up for her. And as I turned to walk, I fumbled the phone. You can't really see this. I'm going to try to... The phone hits the edge and literally just crawls over into the water. Enough for me to say, no, no, no! My wife thought I had hurt myself because, well, I hurt myself a lot. She thought I fell into water. She thought I did something stupid. And as the phone just barely went over the edge... Son of a biscuit maker. So it goes in probably this deep of water. I go running up. Now it's murky. I go running up and I get this skimmer we have and I'm dying. It's just gunk. I jump in the water and as soon as I did, it's like, ah, I sink to the bottom. It's mushy. It's nasty. It's nasty. I I am one of these people that, you know, there's a pool, there's a pond. I'll always take the pool. There's a pool, there's a lake, I'll always take the pool. There's a pool, there's an ocean, I'll always take the pool. There's a pool, there's a Caribbean, beautiful water, I'll take the Caribbean, beautiful water, but this ain't that. Yes, it's the second phone I have dropped into Geist Reservoir in less than a year. Last year, I don't know, September, October, I was peeing off the side, middle of the night, dropped my phone, and why am I holding my phone and my package Why am I holding both? Put the phone down. Do your business. Get the phone. Why? So that happened. And then this happened. Now, my wife is the only human being alive that I know that has insurance. Think about that. Do you have insurance on your phone? Instead of it being a grand, it costs 75 large. That's it. 75 bucks. She went without a phone for a couple days. In fact, I think it's supposed to come today. It is a holiday weekend for crying out loud. But that's all right. She's kind of felt free. 
and I got to pitch in for my wife. At first, she was annoyed. And then she's like, you know what? It's all right. You were just trying to do a nice thing. And I thought to myself, say what? Say huh? Huh? Swah? Why? She was awesome about it. Now, I don't mean kind of, sort of, maybe awesome about it. I mean the kind of awesome about it that makes you go, wait a second. You're being too cool about this. Hold the phone here. Hang on here. Yeah, she was. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. I apologized 722 times over the course of the weekend. She's like, yeah, it's kind of freeing not to have a phone. Now, you got to understand, she had like an iPhone 2. And now she gets an iPhone 11. So God bless me. I'm I'm spinning it that way. I got to tell you, I married the right woman. I don't know another woman alive ever in the history of women that their husband would do so many stupid things. Remember last week I fell down the stairs, busted up my hip? In the interim, I pushed a good friend of mine in the pool. Guess what he had in his pocket? Yeah, he had his iPhone. I'm not very responsible, but I, I've married someone that understands it and loves me for it. Uh, uh, some guy's mad that there's too many, uh, let's see, too many videos from OutKick. Yeah, you'd be all right. Yeah, you'd be okay. It's a great show. We want you to get to know it. All right. Top five football games of the weekend. Don't at me about this because number five is Indiana over Illinois. Don't even think about it. The road to the college football playoff started for Indiana against Illinois. They got a lucky call. I don't even know how it happened, but I don't care. I don't even care. Hang on, caller. I'm looking for this. Don't get mad at me. Don't even think about it. Indiana had eight straight losses in the Big Ten. Indiana went winless in the Big Ten. Indiana had 40,000 people to start the Illinois game at the Rock Memorial Stadium. There's about, ah, I don't know, 15 or 20 people total left in the stands by the end of the game. But Indiana on eight straight losses showed heart. Indiana showed what Tom Allen and his football crew is all about. They got the ball back. Kid named Connor Basilak. Transfer from Missouri, 75 yards away from Pader. He scores with 23 seconds to go in the game, and Indiana wins it 23 to 20. I don't care if you think there were better games. I don't care if there were 10 better games. There weren't. There weren't. There weren't. I'm sorry, there weren't. There were not 10 better games. There were not five better games. In fact, in my world, there may not have been a better game. That's right. Don't at me about this either, people. Indiana, 23, the biting Illini, 20. That's right, Tom Allen is back, and now we've got Idaho. As we move up, baby, then we got Western Kentucky. Don't at me, people. This is a juggernaut waiting to happen. It is. Basilak, remember the name. He was the SEC co-freshman of the year at Missouri. I don't know why he left. I don't care. Maybe he got beat out. Who cares? Dude's got a cannon. Me likey. All right, next. North Carolina and Appalachian State. You can make the argument this is the number one game. But I'm tired of Mac Brown. Look, Mac Brown is one of the nicest dudes ever 
ever. I have friends that work with Mac Brown. What, oh, no, wait a second. I'm sorry, I screwed it up. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Florida, Utah. My bad. My bad. Florida, Utah. 29-26, late touchdown. It's a hell of a game. Now, remember, the Utes came in here all ranked in the top 10. You don't go in the swamp with Anthony Richardson and just win games. I'll tell you this. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. I don't know if Florida is back. But, man, oh, man, Utah in the Urban Meyer Bowl. Remember, Urban won huge with both of these teams. Uh, I don't know about you, but this was a fun game to watch. Hard-hitting, tough, and a guy named Anthony Richardson who was unbelievable in this game. Now, there's a couple things you got to understand. Does not mean Florida is back. Stop with the Florida is back. I already said it. They got Kentucky next week. Beat number 20 Kentucky at 7 o'clock, night game in the swamp, and I'll start thinking that maybe you're back. But you got a road to hoe here. Here's the deal. Anthony Richardson decided he was not going to lose, and I love that about certain players. And there are only certain players that could do that. This kid for Utah was pretty damn good, this rising kid. All he did was go 22 at 32, 216 yards, kept himself under control. The running game was great. They ran for 230 yards against Florida. I mean, what the hell? But you know what Florida did? Florida rushed for 283 yards, including over 100, by Anthony Richardson, as he also threw for over 160. Man, hell of a game. Not kind of, sort of, maybe a good game. Hell of a game. And if you didn't see it, I understand there was so much going on. In fact, when I was at my son's place, he was flipping back and forth between, here it is, Wisconsin, Illinois State. I mean, what? He coaches at Illinois State. He wanted to watch, hope they could get some recruiting buzz. They didn't. Wisconsin pummeled them. Wisconsin will pummel you. I'm sorry. They just will. I mean, don't at me about it. They'll pummel you. All right. Next, North Carolina State ECU. ECU means East Carolina. I'm going to tell you why I put this in. I've always said uh, it was very difficult being the father, being the father of a basketball player at Ohio State and Michigan, particularly one that basically looked like every student, meaning my son wasn't physically gifted. My son was tough as hell. My son wasn't uh, the best jumper runner. No, but my son was an unbelievable teammate. But nobody cares about that when you're at a big school like Ohio State or Michigan. He looked like everyone else. Everyone on that campus feels like they could play in his place. So you catch a lot of hell when you screw something up. And as a father, I understood that. I told Andrew, man, don't get on social media. But I got to tell you, nothing in the world compares, in my mind, of being the father of a kicker. I don't want to be the father of a kicker. I don't want to be the mother of a kicker. I don't want to be the stepfather of a kicker. I don't want to be the brother. I don't want to be anywhere near a kicker. I don't want to be in any lineage of a kicker. There's a kid named Owen Daffer. Owen Daffer, I bet you, is a nice kid, man. He's the kicker for ECU. ECU goes down against North Carolina State. Now, you got to understand, North Carolina State's the ACC favorite. They tied a game with two three minutes ago, 258. What does my man do? He misses the extra point. 
And I'm listening to this on the radio. I'm listening as we're driving. I don't have a bet on it, but it's fascinating. Next thing you know, all kind of stupidity. But East Carolina gets the ball back. They run it into the middle of the field, a 41-yard kick by Owen Daff. So now this kid and everyone that's ever hung out with him, his high school buddies, his ex-girlfriends, his current girlfriends, his parents, his aunts, his uncles, his cousins, his brothers, everybody is saying the same thing. Oh, please, Owen. Owen, come on. I made a deal with God one time. Uh, First game, coaching Indiana. We hadn't practiced. We're at Northwestern. Uh, We turned it over like 12 seconds ago at Northwestern. We're up one. I made a deal with God. I said, God, if you'll just let us win this game, I will never swear again. DJ White blocked the shot. We won the game. I think by the time I got back with the players, I swore 52 times. Bad person. Believe what you read. Horrible human being. But I would have made many deals with God if my son, if I was named Mr. Daffer and my son was Owen. He missed it. He missed it wide right. A hell of an ending, hell of an opportunity. But I could not, I don't know. I, mean, I should make a list. Like there should be a list of sports parents that you don't want to be. Does that make sense? Like, all right, I don't want to be the kicker's, I don't want to be free throw guy. I don't want to be free throw guy. I don't want to be free throw guy. I don't want to be the guy whose kid is on the line to free. I would rather shoot him 672 times and have my son or daughter at the free throw line. I remember when my daughter was in dance and they do these huge productions and I raced home to see it. And whenever she had to do it, I was sitting there like this. I am not helicopter dad. I sit in the back. I mind my own business, but I die inside like so many parents die inside. And Mr. Daffer and Owen, I hope you're doing okay today. Because for East Carolina, there's only really one opportunity a year to get this done. Man, that was hurtful. North Carolina, App State. Did you know Appalachian State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and lost? Did you know that North Carolina is the worst coach, dumbest team in America? Did you know this? Like, I understand we all, because Mac Brown's a great dude. Everybody that's worked with him, man, I got itching in my leg. Uh, Mac Brown's a great dude. Everybody that worked with him loved working with Mac Brown. He was sensational. Everybody loved Mac Brown. Remember Allison Williams telling me, man, Mac Brown's awesome. Took my husband and mine. We went to this, he lives on a private island. I mean, it's beautiful. Mac Brown's the only guy at ESPN that said, hey, look, if this goes overtime, I'm leaving. I got a flight to catch. The rest of us at ESPN, we got to figure out how to get home because we're not leaving the broadcast. Lee's walking in with a cup of coffee. I told you about Lee. I told you how she handled the phone in the water. Did you not handle that well? Yes. Why did you handle that so well? Because you had good intentions. I had good intentions. And it just was a, it's just a bad, it's just bad. Why are you walking away as you talk? We can't hear you. You had good intentions. You don't have to be on camera. Okay. I, I had what? You had great intentions. Yeah, and still, you, you didn't even get mad. No. For a second. For a second. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get mad. It was an accident. Accidents happen. I wish I could show you her, but she's literally right here naked. 
<laughs> no, she's not. No, she. Hey, I cannot believe how she handled that. Anyway, I just, you know, I taught me a lesson. All right, a couple of other things. Let's go. Anyway, North Carolina State, App State. App State's the dumbest, excuse me, North Carolina's the dumbest football team in America. You get an onside kick, you don't go score. You get an onside kick, you fall down. You run the clock out, game's over. They went and scored. Next thing you know, boom, here comes App State. Whap, 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 whap. And now they got a chance to tie you. Now they got a chance to send it to overtime. Now they got a chance to whoop up on you. What the hell are we doing? Long story short, App State does it. But they scored 40 points in the fourth freaking quarter and lost. That was an unbelievable game. I didn't see it. I was listening to it. Let me go through a guy. I don't know. It seems like the transfer portal worked for this guy. You know who Chase Bryce is? Do you know the name Chase Bryce? I don't know the name Chase Bryce, but I know this. He started at Clemson, played in 23 games. I didn't know he did. I thought it was like Trevor Lawrence to this guy DJ something. 1,000 yards. Then he went to Duke, threw for 2,100 yards last year, and then for whatever the reason, he ends up at App State. Last year, he threw for 3,000 yards. This year, he throws for 361, scores 63 points, 61 points, and can't get a win. What the hell is that? That's an unbelievable game, though. And I got to tell you, my wife and I, I didn't bet it. I should have because I told you to bet it, but I don't think I did. Anyway, we're sitting in the car. We're driving to Illinois State, and we're losing our freaking mind. That's right. We're losing our mind over a game. We're like, what? But the game of the weekend was LSU-Florida State. Speaking of stupid, Florida State, just take a knee, kick a field goal, and the game is over. And stop with the Brian Kelly's demise. Just stop. I already read it to you. I already read their schedule. Are you kidding me? Brian Kelly's schedule sets up beautifully. Southern next week, Mississippi State, New Mexico, they're going to be 3-1 and one at Auburn, 4-1, and one, and then they play Tennessee. When that one, you're 5-1, and one, you're in the top 25, and everyone's saying, see, we got the right coach. Look, I'm a big Feinbaum fan. I do. I like Feinbaum. Feinbaum's been great to me, and frankly, I was great to him. But the truth of the matter is, Brian Kelly's going to earn and be worth every dollar they paid. And Feinbaum said, look, they paid $10 million for this? Yeah, they did. Of course they did. Not only are they going to get their money back, they paid a hell of a lot more than $10 million. Brian Kelly will be just fine. Brian Kelly will lead uh, LSU to at least a college football playoff within the first three to five years. Brian Kelly will win a national championship there because Brian Kelly wins. I'm not the biggest Brian Kelly fan, all right? I'm not. One of my best friends growing up, Pat Battistini, Worm we call him. He and Brian Kelly were roommates at Grand Valley State when they were graduate assistants, all right? My man Worm uh, liked Brian Kelly, said he was fine, didn't love him. Never really hung out, but hey, look, they're fine. So I've known who Brian Kelly is, and and I like him. He goes to Notre Dame, and he becomes the all-time winningest coach. He goes to Central Michigan, smart enough. I wasn't smart enough. You win in the MAC, and you get the hell out. Goes to Cincinnati, wins big. He's going to win everywhere he is. Stop it. He's kind of like Jim Trestle. Division three, great. 
Way handles himself great, at least according to the Division Three folks, and becomes a star. Now, look, you don't like Brian Kelly yelling at players? I don't care. I do. You should yell at players. Ain't a damn thing wrong with yelling at players. Oh, by the way, players can handle it. Now, maybe all of them can't handle it, but some of them, most of them, the ones that are any good can handle it. And as I always told my players, if you play for a crazy man, which they did, if you play for a crazy man, you got better stories. And I get texts all the time from my former players. I got a former player who lives up in Chicago. He hangs out with a bunch of guys that are in the media in Chicago. They all live in the same neighborhood. And you know what? He's the storyteller. Hey, man, tell him about the time Dockage made you run. Tell him about the time Dockage called you this. Tell him about the time you did that. It's great. I got more Bobby Knight stories than I got since. Playing for crazy people is fantastic. There is nothing wrong with it. It's awesome. All right, you know on this show, we can talk about real stuff, okay? You know on this show, you know, when I was with ESPN, and I loved being with ESPN. I did. I loved it. ESPN was a blast. But on ESPN, you had to go along with the narrative of ESPN, and the narrative of ESPN is, look, we're going to be a victim anytime. We're going to be woke anytime. We're going to do all that stuff. This show, we can talk about real stuff, and you guys have made this fantastic. So, all right, real stuff. What does that mean? Well, you know what? A few years ago, the best guy ever, in my opinion. Now, this is just my opinion. I've never lived in Chicago after I left, and I went to Indiana. I've never been back. I've never lived in Maryville, my hometown. I've never lived, uh, but I listen. I pay attention. Actually got hired by WMVP in Chicago, but my station in Indianapolis could match it. They matched I wasn't very happy that they matched it, but they matched it. I always grew up listening to Chicago radio. And Danny Mac, Dan McNeil, in my world, the absolute best that Indiana, or excuse me, that Chicago radio has had. I mean, just my opinion. I mean, everybody's got their own opinion. And that is my opinion. And frankly, uh, I don't care whether you agree with it or not, because it's my opinion and only I matter. How about that? Yeah. But anyway, a few years ago, Danny Mac got involved in something. And next thing you know, whiners whine. People went victim. A joke isn't a joke anymore. And he paid a price for it. But now Danny Mac is back. And I'm very, very happy about it. And we'll talk about what happened with Danny. We'll talk about his comeback. We'll talk about where he's at now. We'll talk about the Chicago Bears and everything Chicago because he's the best in the history of Chicago sports. I believe. And again, everything that I say should be adopted by you. But Danny McNeil joins us next. And I can't wait to talk to the man, the best to ever do it in the city of Chicago on a variety of subjects next. Dan McNeil. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, I said it and I meant it. And a lot of you agree with me, at least according to the notes that I'm getting. Danny McNeil is the best Chicago has ever had. Now, the most legendary in Chicago was and will always be the great Chet Kopic, who Danny worked for. But whether it is on the radio, whether it's been on TV, whether it's writing articles, this man right here is not only a legend in Chicago, but he's the smartest in Chicago, and he's the best Chicago has ever had. Danny Mack, how are you, my friend? Doc, I am terrific. It's good to be with you, and thanks for all the buildup. I feel like I can hardly live up to all that hyperbole you've laid out there, but I will give it my best shot, and I wore my very best NFL week one hat for you to celebrate the ball going in the air in just two nights in Los Angeles. I can't wait. Like I, you know, college football. uh, Hey, I got to get into this first. You're on the comeback trail. The whole thing with Maria Taylor. I just want to get into this really quickly. When you send a tweet out and next thing you know, it becomes viral and you're like, oh crap. It was just a joke. Uh, we can't take jokes anymore. What was it like when you realized, wait a second, man, this tweet to Maria Taylor is now out of this world nuts. Yeah, it was a long night. Um, you know, I didn't sleep that night because I pretty much knew I'd screwed the pooch, whether it was intentional or not is another topic. I did birdie number six that morning at Centennial in Munster, which for my opinion, that that should be the number one handicap hole on the course. So that was the highlight of (laughs) September 16th of 2020. The low light was getting fired for something I am not, um, and that's a misogynist. Uh, Doc, uh, I've got a history of a lot of things of which I'm not proud, but not being able to work harmoniously with women is not on the list. It was a joke. Um, it fell flat. I abhor cyberbullying. I think it's tragic that teenagers all over this country are subjected to it and their suicide rates are higher because of it. But I'm not talking about a ninth grader or a a junior in high school who works behind the cash register at the supermarket. We're talking about Monday night freaking football on a national stage, one of the biggest stages in sports. And I always will live in a world where presentation is part of the grade of television. Wardrobe is subject to criticism just as it's subject to being praised. And I knew it almost immediately after I sent it that uh, this is not going to end well. But uh, here we are two years later, and I've got a new lease on life and uh, enjoying football season's beginning and the, uh, the onset of a new podcast era with Bat Rivers and my little local show in Northwest Indiana on WJO. 
Yeah, Danny, I, I, I've been in that situation. I've sent something in, and you don't sleep, and it is like, oh, man. And then, of course, you know, it, it, takes, a, it, it takes a life of its own. You get fired from it, but one thing that I admire, and I've followed you, I, you know, I've followed you, whether it's been Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, you apologized, and you kept on with your life. Some people think these things crush you, and you can't, you know... You know what your intent is. You know what kind of guy you are. You know what you've done for your children. You know how you've been in work situations. So people make this out to be a much bigger deal for you personally than what it is. Certainly professionally, it's not great. And you got to overcome certain, but you know who you are deep down. Yeah. And so do the people I've spent time with. And so does my audience. I mean, you don't spend however long people spend with you on a typical commute, but I've been taking guys home since 92 up until about that date two years ago, uh, barring a couple of a midday stint I did for a little while for five years. And I tried a morning drive thing on the FM, but primarily I took dudes home from work and I'm transparent um, through all the BS that uh, I've put myself through and, uh, all of it. And my audience has gotten to know me and uh, I'm not the smartest guy who does it, um, but I'm the most genuine and perhaps the most relatable. And that's what matters to me the most is those who knew that know who I am. And I went away. I, I buried my head in the sand. I didn't look at Twitter for four or five months. And I was I was surprised I had the ability to do that because anytime I would pick up my phone and scroll through a news feed, I'm seeing sports mouth USA Today, SI.com, the, the daily news in New York, all the sites I'm on all the time. I'm in the headlines for being a sexist. And I didn't open any of them after the awful announcing piece ran on Monday night late after she'd retweeted it. Um, so I was successful at becoming the ostrich and, uh, and just going away for a little while to lick my wounds. It was not a happy time, but I'm glad I'm long past it. And it's made me part of who I am today. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been, I got called a misogynist. Dan Wolken wrote this horrible article about me on USA Today, awful announcing. Uh, just did a retweet of a guy writing a, uh, in, in Indianapolis, and it got picked up by USA Today. You know what's funny, Dan? When, when and I don't know how you are, because you were in a big market for a long time, and you are the most relatable. You've talked about your different struggles. But when things like that happen, I do two things. I, I don't necessarily read all of them. But I go, all right, well, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's not true. That's not true. That's, and it makes you tougher and it makes you stronger. It is kind of amazing, Dan, because I've been in your – in fact, I was just in your shoes a month ago with a guy writing mm -hmm. a freaking ridiculous article that ended up in the USA Today about how I'm disintegrating and I'm the worst story in the history of Indiana sports. But, you know, if you've been through it, it toughens you up. It really does, for better or worse. Yeah, it, it does. Uh, the criticisms you take early on, whether you're, uh, you know, an amateur athlete playing for Bobby Knight or whether you're a young college basketball coach or a young broadcaster, those first bruises you take from your critics are difficult to accept and they do toughen you up. 
Um, going back to when the score first launched, I used to get barbecued by the critics, but I put my head down and kept digging and, uh, and ultimately put a few skins on the wall. But that's why it was good for me to go away is I didn't trust my ability to not reply. It's not my nature typically to lie down in the corner and take punches and get kicked in the belly. You know what I'm talking about. But I I just got away from it and said, go away for a little while and uh, and come back even stronger when you've uh, when you've established that confidence again. And I, I'm glad I did wait a little while. And uh, it was it was good for me. It helped me gain a little bit more perspective. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it isn't that people always get mad at me. Well, why do you fight back? I don't know. That's how I was raised. What's, people are raised differently. People are raised in different manners. I mean, and I, you and I are very similar. I'm not, I'm not going to sit around and let somebody crush me and not respond back. It would be smarter if I did. But, hey, what the hell? Uh, you do have your NFL hat on. Uh, you, enough of that crap. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears. I am, a, I am not a believer in Eberflus. Eberflus was here. We were happy he was gone. His defense stunk here, other than turnovers at Darius Leonard. Chicago has Eberflus. There seems to be an energy to what the Bears are doing. He can do that. What are you thinking about the Bears as we move forward here to the start of the season? I think the, uh, the new coach inherited one of the worst rosters in the NFL. And I don't know how much better it is in the seven months or so rookie GM Ryan Poles has had his hands on the personnel. You've got a real scary situation in Chicago from this standpoint. Everybody in the most important positions is, is stepping up in class in terms of his job description. Poles has never been a GM. Eberflus has never been a head coach. Luke Getze has never been an offensive coordinator. All of the positional coaches are stepping up in class, and they're doing it with a roster that is terrible with only one bankable commodity defensively, and that's linebacker Roquan Smith. Uh, offensively, who knows what Justin Fields is going to be. And who knows how fair it is to judge him based on year number two coming up because he's got horrible skilled players around him. You're counting on Byron Pringle? Are you kidding me to come back from a camp quad injury to make a difference? This is a lousy football team. And uh, they may be able to run the ball well, but how far does that get you in the NFL? Um, I became fond of your team down there last year because they do it the old smash mouth way. Call me a relic. Call me what you will. Say I'm old fashioned. Doc, say I'm over the hill. But I like a team that can run the football and play defense. And that's what the Colts did last year. Maybe the Bears can run the football, but they're nowhere near going to be a 500 team. In fact, Bet Rivers has their total at six and a half. I swung that line down a little bit and I got them at better odds at minus five and a half, five and a half under for Chicago this year. I, I think it's going to be a long, dreadful year that is going to be graded primarily on young players progressing, certainly not by points on the board. They're terrible. How good is Fields or how good isn't Fields? 
tough to say. He's got tremendous athletic ability. He's he's a good passer, but he needs to be more patient. Uh, at the same time, he needs to not be so much concerned about what people are going to say about him choosing to run first. He's going to have to run for his life this year on occasion. The O-line is a huge question mark. While young running quarterbacks, I understand the want to get rid of that label. He's a running quarterback first, whether you're Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields, you want to be regarded as a passer too. But he got a little better as the year went on last year. When you know you can tuck it away and make the marker, put your head down and go and get out of bounds safely. And he progressed a little bit late last year. I want to see that continue because he can be a very effective dual threat. Let me go around your division here. You know, a lot has been made in a lot of different ways about Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams is gone. You know, people lose their mind now, Danny. If a guy like Aaron Rodgers even questions a wide receiver for crying out loud, give me your take. Rodgers says he owns Chicago. Hard to argue. What about the Packers? What are you seeing? I think the Packers are easily the smartest play in the NFC North. Uh, I, I heard the very handsome Kyle Brandt earlier this morning on Good Morning Football say he likes the Vikings to win the division. Based on talent, they should, but I don't think they will. Uh, I don't like their trigger man as much as I love Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. If he wants to play when he's hurt this year, that'd be fine with Vikings fans. But I, I think the Packers still have too much because they have number 12 and they have a defense that's better than the rest. You know, we often fall in love with teams during hard knocks. Hasn't happened in a while because that summer series has been boring. I freaking love Dan Campbell. How do you not root for the Lions this year? <laughs> he and his running backs coach stole the show. Give me some Deuce Staley. I'd rather have Deuce Staley than Brandon Staley in the Staley draft right now. So that's going to be a fun team, but I don't think they're good enough to be a playoff team. I had a kid I went to high school with, Danny Staley, was the toughest dude that I knew. I mean, you know, so I'll take Danny in the Staley draft over anybody. Danny was a badass. <laughs> and Adrian, <laughs> hey, hey, but I, you know what? It's it's funny you mentioned Dan Campbell. The, the Lions came here to Indy. I'm doing my show from Colts camp. And uh, Danny, everybody expected there to be fights, right? Because you watch Dan Campbell – I don't care whether you have one butt cheek and three toes. I'm going to whip your ass, you know, all that kind of stuff. I got to tell you, the Lions looked, if the Colts are supposed to be good, you could not tell the difference, Danny, between the Lions and the Colts. They were good. They were tough. And there wasn't one single fight. And Campbell's teams looked really good and really disciplined in the two or three days that they were here. I love watching teams work out with each other. Uh, we learned this summer, uh, side note, and I'll get back to your point, the NFL doesn't govern joint workouts. That that came to light during the fight, during a couple of fights. Uh, the Panthers got involved in one, and then Aaron Donald wanted to go Miles Garrett on an opposing player. Um, that's got to change. I think it's good because it picks up the intensity of workouts. I'm not surprised to hear the Lions played spiritedly. You know, other than their one win under Eric Kramer in 91, 
their previous postseason victory to that was during the Eisenhower administration. It's mm. been a long time for Lions fans. That's crazy bad for a long, long time. But uh, I, I think they're going to play with intensity. I love Aiden Hutchinson. Man, he was the Big Ten's MVP a year ago, and deservedly so. That dude gets off the ball in a hurry, and he's got a series of pass rush moves. If he gets beat on his first one, he's got a lot more in his pocket. He's playing like a veteran. I'm looking for him to become, you know, the next Nick Bosa wearing the same number, white guy on the edge, flying 97s all around this NFL right now. And I think the Lions may have the best of the bunch of this year's incoming rookies defensively. I'll tell you who is really good, DeAndre Swift, the running back. Man, I, I look, I know we got Jonathan Taylor here, and Jonathan Taylor's a different dude and maybe the best. But I tell you, if I I was in a fantasy draft last night, I, I don't I just do it because Outkick did it, and I started studying. I'm like, wait, I don't care. This guy's really good. I'm not saying the Lions are going to compete with the Packers. I, I'm not saying that. I just like Dan Campbell. I liked Hard Knocks, and I thought they were they were a good looking crew when I saw them. You know what I mean? Saw them for a couple days. That's it. Yeah, it's it's easy to fall in love with something when you're you're being renewed into a sports kickoff at the beginning of the year. I left Platteville, Wisconsin once, convinced Mike Tomzak was going to quarterback the Bears to great things because it's it's you sort it's maybe willful delusion. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, the Lions could be an eight or a nine win team, but I think that's the high water mark for Detroit this year. I'd be surprised if it goes any deeper than that. I was looking at the lines this morning, Doc. Do you realize for week one, we've got 10 road favorites in the NFL? Oh, man, the books are just licking their chops for that because the betting public loves to go chalk. And we're all going to pay for it come Sunday. Exercise caution <laughs> on opening day. Don't get stupid. Uh, if you have to play because it's un-American not to play opening weekend, lunch money plays. Don't give up the kids' 529 tuition money. See, I go the other way. If you get beat on Thursday, double down on college football on Friday, triple down on Saturday, but always know you can win it back on Sunday, baby. <laughs> we call that chasing in the industry. But, uh, yeah, yes, well, when we you've do. got your FU money, uh, I, I guess you can get away with that sort no, of thing. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And when you talk Danny, about Thursday night's I, game, that's a road favorite too. Everybody loves Buffalo this year. And I all, I understand the affinity for, for Josh Allen. And, and I like, you know, their, their defensive aggressiveness, even though they don't have a ton of household names on the Bills defense. The Rams are getting very little respect from the betting public. They're two and a half point underdogs Thursday night. They're not the favorite to win the Super Bowl. In fact, they're not even the favorite in their conference. The uh, the Buccaneers, led by the maritally distraught Tom Brady, who's missing two outstanding starters on his offensive line, still the favorite in the NFC. I'll take the field against the Buccaneers this year. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not buying that. 
Until further notice, the Rams are holding the trophy, and I'm going to play them getting the two-and-a-half Thursday night. I went as far as to say I'm not sure the Buccaneers make the playoffs. Now, I get the division, I, but all of a sudden, Tom Brady's sad? What is this? Tom Brady's not allowed to be sad. All right, here's what we're saying in Indy. We're saying in Indy, hey, look, take the freaking Texans and the eight points. Colts stink opening day. They're not great defensively. Darius Leonard may or may not play. Offensive line is okay, much overrated. I'm telling people, you speak of caution, I'm telling them, lay the house on the Texans and take the eight at home. Bad bet? Um, you know, it's it, taking points at home is never a bad bet. Well, there are exceptions. But I like Indianapolis Sunday. I, I think, uh, and I, I'm not as plugged in as you are. I've seen the Texans movie f too many times, and I've seen Lovey Smith too many times to put much stock <laughs> in their long-term ability to turn that thing around. Those are bare cupboards in Houston, too. I mean, uh, my God, the quarterback room in, in Houston, it's, it, it doesn't scare anybody, while Indianapolis – I'm, I'm hearing reports that Matt Ryan has jump-started that team emotionally and that they're much more ready to compete. And, and they better make some, some of these younger players they picked up in the offseason better make a difference because aside from Michael Pittman, uh, your guy last year now in Washington had nobody to get the ball to. I know a lot of people don't like Carson Wentz, but other than giving the ball to 28 Jonathan Taylor the dude had zero effing help that's exactly right like uh, Sean Salisbury is a great guest on any radio show and he does a show in Houston he quarterback he loves Davis Mills he's like look uh, everybody he talks to thinks that Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback last five games last year and he would be the number one pick in the draft were he coming out this past year of the quarterback so you know, I don't know. What do you think of the Bears? Bears getting seven at home, big dog, against the 49ers. Yeah, against a Trey Lance-led 49ers team. And when we saw this kid play last year, he looked nowhere near ready for the biggest stage to, to start. And the 49ers have given him the keys to the Cadillac. Uh, that was a luxury car once upon a time for all you young viewers and listeners out there. And they're <laughs> letting him roll. <laughs> Debo Samuel is healthy. Um, that makes a big difference. I'm not sure which way I'll go on this one. I have to make a play. I'm not a Bears enthusiast, and I hate to be standing on shore when the ship is out to sea and the Bears are getting moon-pounded at home at Soldier Field. So I probably will play lunch money wager against the Bears uh, just because it's more fun to see them, you know, withering away. It won't be a national audience. They're going to have very few of those this year. But I'll make a small move on the 49ers. Boy, that's first world problems when Jimmy Garoppolo isn't good enough to be your starting quarterback, isn't it? I mean, this is a guy who already has quarterbacked his team to a Super Bowl. Granted, some of the numbers Jimmy G put up that year 
reminded you of Bob Greasy of the Dolphins, eight out of 11 for 111 <laughs> yards, a touchdown, no picks. Those were 1970s numbers, but he didn't give it away. And the 49ers got to a Super Bowl. He has shown poise. Now, he's always good for a pick a game, it seems, and you're, you're sometimes at very ill-opportune times, never really a good time to throw a pick. But I still think uh, that was a very risky play by Kyle Shanahan, and I'm not so sure Trey Lance is ready for that starting job. And that team's close. That team's very close to being excellent. Let me, let me add to that, you know, under 10 minutes to go, NFC Championship game, Matt Stafford basically backed up, throws a pass in the middle of the field, and with a 10-point lead, San Francisco's free safety, a kid named Dart, has it in his hands. With a 10-point lead, all you got to do is make the interception, fall down, you got a 10-point lead, ball on the other side of midfield, and Jimmy G's going to go to two Super Bowls. I mean, I, I, you know... He goes that one play that that kid for uh, San Francisco dropped changed the entire look of the NFC because now the Rams aren't this great experiment that went well. Jimmy G's gone to two Super Bowls, whether he wins it or not, who the hell knows? I'm telling you, that one play, Danny Mac, big difference. All right, two games that are beautiful, in my opinion. You got what's his face, Baker Mayfield against his old team, Cleveland, and you got Russell Wilson against his own team, Seattle. What are you seeing here, big boy? These are two good ones or bad ones. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting yeah. ones. <laughs> they really are. Boy, it, it's tough for me to pick a rooting interest in Carolina and Cleveland because <laughs> th those are my two biggest punching bags going into this year. I think it is absolutely ridiculous that Matt Rule makes more money than proven coaches like Mike Tomlin and others. This guy is, I think, sixth or seventh among active NFL head coaches and earnings. That's absurd. What's he proved other than he's a meatball? And there's a part of me that likes meatball, but I don't like of Baker course. Mayfield either. <laughs> I think he's a proven ass wipe. I, I think Cleveland, when it went to Sabre Metrics and hired Paul D. Podesta, a.k.a. Jonah Hill from Moneyball to run their baseball sets up much more for mathematics than football does. Too many variables on a football field to look at trends on third and short yardage. you got 11 guys on each side who got to do their job. Don't look at trends. Go with what's happening in the game. So I don't like either of those two franchises. And Russell Wilson, I, I admittedly have not given him enough credit for what he's accomplished in his career. He's a much better quarterback than I have said whenever I've had a microphone. That said, I think the Broncos GM, George Payton, is going to rue the day he guaranteed Wilson $165 million. He's not as bad as he looked last year playing with mangled fingers. But his best days are well in the rearview mirror. We've seen that with quarterbacks whose successes are predicated more on their ability to be elusive and make plays on the run, extending plays. Wilson doesn't have those kind of legs anymore. And I, I think the Broncos, 
um, while they are a good football team, are not a great football team by any stretch under Nathaniel Hackett getting his first chance to be a head man. I love their second-year running back, Javante Williams, out of North Carolina, though. I hope you drafted young legs, Dan, for your fantasy team because young running backs are the way of the NFL. I know he shares time with the kid from Wisconsin, but you're going to see a lot of this Javante Williams this year, and I think he's going to be one of the NFL's biggest surprises, second-year guy. Take young running backs because the NFL views this position as a fungible position. It's no different than helmets and shoulder pads. Give me three or four years and we'll kick your ass to the curb because you're a running back with very few exceptions. And I think that's a shame, but that's the reality in which we're living in this NFL. Before I let you go, what's your best bet? Give me your best NFL bet. Uh, you want my best bet for the season or for the weekend? Weekend. Or both. For the weekend, uh, I'm going to start by taking the defending Super Bowl champs Thursday night, getting points. I'll probably buy a couple points and push that thing up to three in the hook. It'll cost me a little bit, maybe even money on that move. Uh, Buffalo's a great team, but you know what? We all forget their best running back was their quarterback last year. Devin Singletary, uh, Moss, both of whom are way too light in the ass to be studs in the NFL. I don't like their team from a running standpoint. And I think the Rams have played the no respect card under Sean McVay. Now there's a guy earning his 12, 13 million a year, Matt rule should be carrying water for him instead of making nine million freaking dollars to run the Panthers. <laughs> I like the I like the Rams getting two and a half Thursday night. Love them even more getting three and a half. Best bet on the year, the Indianapolis Colts plus 125 to win the AFC South, which is a punching bag with the exception of Derrick Henry's tight. You know what? All you got to do is look at schedules. Cold schedule against the Titans schedule, and, and it ain't close. Danny Mac, where can people catch you, big boy? I am available at the Danny Mac podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts, or you can find me on Twitter at Danny Mac Show. And uh, I do a show on Fridays between noon and 2 on my hometown station, WJOB. My high school football games used to air on that radio station. Doc, your Andre and 59ers used to air, and they still do on WJOB. I'm having a blast with it. We're having fun. We're live and we're local. We do our show once a month at Bridges Scoreboard Restaurant and Sports Bar in Griffith. And we've had tremendous participation from some of my some of my guys, Tom Thayer, Olin Krutz, Dave Wanstead. Mike North is coming down in a few weeks. We're going to have Hall of Famer Jimbo Covert at Bridges very soon. So I'm having a blast. And 95% of what I flap my gums about these days is professional football. And I, that makes me very, very content. Thanks, my friend. Great stuff, man. Blast catching up with you. You too, Dan. Thanks a bunch. Hope to get you on my show soon. Anytime, brother. Anytime. That's the great Danny Mac. Danny McNeil. A lot of you are going, man, it's good to see Danny Mac. It is. Great dude.
Great guy. And I'm telling you, when I would drive around and recruit or whatever in Chicago, if Danny Mac was on, I was listening. If Danny Mac was writing, I was reading. Uh, still do. He had Dave Wanstead on the other day, and it was fantastic. And as he said, Jimbo Covert, you'll see all of the guys that you grew up, not only grew up, but know stuff, know a lot of stuff about football. As you can tell, Danny Mac, nobody knows it better. Go to the Danny Mac podcast. Just get it and then do yourself a favor. You go to the podcast, you listen to the podcast, you send me a note, and you say, thanks for turning me on to the Danny Mac podcast. All right, we come back. Uh, I'm going to go over my freaking horrible bets over the week. I got screwed, but I don't bitch when I lose. There is no complaining when I, when we lose, just like I don't gloat. No, I'm not going to talk about my fantasy team. Nobody wants to hear about it, and I got woke dope. But first, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. I'm telling you what a great guest Dan McNeil is, and he's a great guy. Look, we all do things, and, you know, people make a big deal, whatever. Uh, All right, let's recap my betting this weekend. I believe I gave you four, and I ended up two and two, which means if you bet it right, then you won. If you bet it wrong, then you lost. If you bet it neutral, then you lost. All right, let's start with the recap. I took Purdue plus three and a half. Hey, Purdue, how about you guard somebody? That's a big fat L. No good. No good. I took Purdue over. That hit easy. I had some guy call my radio show in Indianapolis and tell me what an idiot I was because, um, uh, you know, Oh, yeah, I did. I did have Ohio State. So I'm two and three. I had Ohio State. We'll get to that. I'm glad we don't have any graphics for this. Let's only have graphics for the win, but I am keeping track all year long. I am. I'm keeping track of what we did in terms of numbers. And really, these numbers aren't going to reflect how we bet it. We did take Purdue plus three and a half, and we did lose. All right. We did take the Purdue over bet, and we did win. Now, the Purdue over bet, as I said, some guy calls into my show, and he's on my backside, right? He's crushing my soul. Oh, they haven't been over in two years. Stop it. Uh, We got Arkansas, if you remember, we got Arkansas minus six and a half. Minus six and a half was pretty, pretty, pretty daggone good because the number ended up being seven. So we're sitting there two and one. Our toes are tapping a little bit, and then LSU hits. We got LSU plus three and a half. We were going to win that bet if it went to overtime, and then LSU hit. And then LSU got its field goal, extra point blocked, and then LSU didn't play. I don't even want to talk about LSU. Now, here's my deal in betting. Don't never complain, never explain. But damn, 99 yards down the field, for the touchdown, kick the extra point, go to overtime, score a touchdown, get a stop, we win. Or they get a, or they kick a field goal in overtime, we get a touchdown, we win. And it's the biggest comeback, biggest no-brainer in the history. We should never have won it, but we would have, we didn't, we don't, we're not whining. And then lastly, the last loss, I did take Ohio State over 38 and a half, and I'm not going to lie to you. In the first quarter, I told you, don't worry about Ohio State if they only score like 10 points. Hell, they scored three. 
they weren't going, it was the third possession of the game. Maybe the second, maybe the first. But when the star um, wide receiver, uh, Joba, I think is his name, got knocked out, I told my, my son, I go, oh, this ain't going well. Notre Dame's playing hard defensively. Notre Dame is after it defensively than they were. Ohio State never had a chance. All right, so we're 2-3 in our bets. I did win a big parlay, though. I took the girl that, the lady, sorry, that beat Serena, and I took Kyrgios, and I took a $50 bet and won 360 on a pretty good parlay. Anyway, I don't care about it. These are our official bets, and we lost. There's no whining. We're off to a tough start. We'll get it figured out. I, I, I swear to God, though, I thought these were good bets. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. I thought these were really good. All right, you ready? <clears throat> uh, ladies and gentlemen, top performers and one awful performance from last week. There were some good performances. There really were. And I mentioned one guy earlier, Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson took Florida and basically put Florida on his back. They won 29 to 26 over a very good Utah team, but they won in the swamp. You know, I was kind of curious. Florida was getting points. I don't think they should have. They're not getting points next week in their game against Kentucky. They're actually giving points to number 20 Kentucky. But anyway, Anthony Richardson was 17 to 24, threw for 168 yards, which was great. But man, he made some phenomenal plays. He was 11 rushes for 106 yards. They ran for over 280 yards. Florida did, and he ran for over 100 of them. Frankly, Anthony Richardson offensively for the Gators dominated the entire deal. There are plays where he spun out of trouble. There are plays where he stepped up. There are design run plays. Billy Napier did a really good job of setting up Anthony Richardson for success, and Anthony Richardson was good enough to take advantage of it. Look, I say this all the time. I, I, I say this all the freaking time. You, if you want, can say, I'm going to take the game over. We're going to dominate. But if you're not good enough to do it, it don't matter. It literally doesn't matter. You got to be good enough. Anthony Richardson is good enough. Anthony Richardson is certainly good enough. Anthony Richardson is the kind of guy that when he's right, and he was, he could take over a game. And he did. Like, I could say in college, oh, man, I'm going to take over this game. I wasn't good enough. You got to be good enough. And that guy right there, he put an entire state, an entire, what do you guys call it? Gator Nation on his back and good for him. All right, next guy. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I know this. Stetson Bennett can play some football. Georgia, I already said earlier, was the best team that I saw all weekend. The best. They were. They were the best. Nobody could touch. If Florida, if Georgia plays the way they played against Oregon, nobody's touching Georgia football. 49-3 against Oregon. Now remember, Oregon brought in Bo Nix specifically to win games like that. Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator for Georgia, now the head coach at Oregon, brought in for games like that. Look, I understand we got to give coaches time. I'm certainly in that camp, all right? But while I'm in that camp, it's different now. 
You're at Oregon. You got more money than God. You got Phil Knight ready to buy you anything you want. He buys your quarterback. That quarterback is Bo Nix. He can't beat Georgia. Now he still can't beat Georgia. I don't give a damn what uniform he is wearing. And why can't he? Well, because Georgia's really good. Because Georgia reloads. Because Georgia has really recruited well. But also Stetson Bennett, listen to this. Against his former defensive coordinator, Against the defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning, that went at Stetson Bennett every day in practice, and I heard all the lazy-ass media narratives. Well, nobody knows Stetson Bennett better than Dan Lanning. Really? Okay. I always think that's pretty funny because Stetson Bennett and the quarterback coach and the staff at Georgia know Dan Lanning as well. What does Stetson Bennett do? Oh, I don't know, 25 of 31, 368 yards, and completely dominates the game. Remember, Stetson Bennett, according to all the prognosticators, is nothing more than a game manager. Ah, heck, Florida wins with great talent, fantastic coaching. Stetson just just don't screw it up. Well, guess what? Stetson Bennett did not screw it up. Stetson Bennett didn't screw it up even a little bit. You know what Stetson Bennett did? He went out and was an All-American. Right now, right this moment, if you were going to say, hey, look, give me your first-team All-American quarterback right now. It is not C.J. Stroud. It is not Bryce Young. It is that guy right there, Stetson Bennett. Now, I get it. Don't get me wrong. The season isn't over. It's week one. Aiden O'Connell still has a chance to win the Heisman. I got all that. But the fact of the matter is, that dude on the biggest stage in the biggest game or one of the biggest games of the weekend, I guess Ohio State Notre Dame was the biggest game, all he did was dominate a coach that knew him well. Pretty daggone impressive. Don't at me about it. I'm not having it. Uh, I mentioned this, Chase Bryce, earlier. So Chase Bryce is playing against Mac Brown. Mac Brown is supposedly the greatest coach, blah, 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 blah. Hey, look, Chase Brown, Chase Bryce is in Boone, North Carolina. He's been to Clemson. He's been to Duke. He's quarterbacked at some places. But the other day, I mean, look, I'm sorry. You throw 40 up in the fourth quarter. I don't know what to tell you. You go 25 or 36 for 360 one yards, and listen to this, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six, count them, six touchdown passes, one interception. Scores 60-plus and can't get a win, you tell me. Man, oh, man, he got stopped just before the end zone trying to reach the ball across. That's a hell of a performance. There were some good ones this weekend, And I only went with quarterbacks this weekend because why not? C.J. Stroud was not good. Aiden O'Connell was okay. Uh, Bryce Young, I didn't care. I mean, what are you going to do with Bryce Young? The kid out at South Carolina, Caleb, or Southern Cal, Caleb Williams, pretty good. He was good. The Ewers kid, the guy who's made millions of dollars, eh, you better be great against Alabama next week. And he got his car towed. I don't know if you saw that, but Quinn Ewers is whining about getting his car towed. Hey, how about this, Quinn Ewers? How about you don't park in a tow zone? (laughs) But anyway, the rest of the week, we're probably going to talk about pro football because it does start on Thursday. But college football was so good last week. I'm sorry. It was so freaking good.
And again, if you're Notre Dame, this is going to be it. This is going to be the only time that you win at Notre Dame by losing. This is it. There is no more of this. In the transfer portal, in the era of NIL, in the era of bigger is more different than not as big, meaning the separation is massive. You can't even see it on the screen between the Notre Dames of the world and the Marshalls of the world and basically the rest of the schedule of the world in Notre Dame. Notre Dame won by losing. People are okay with Notre Dame now. I heard it from a lot of friends. Hey, look, Notre Dame looked pretty good. I think they can run the table. Maybe they can't. Maybe they can't. I don't know. But I know this. The Indiana Hoosiers are 1-0, baby. And they got Idaho. Yep, Idaho coming in this weekend. Do yourself a favor. I think, I think the line, Indiana and Idaho, I'm going to give you an early bet. I think the early line on Idaho is uh, 20. All right. And let's not forget. I always say this. I always say the cure for insomnia. The cure for insomnia is the noon ESPN game. Now, I don't know whether this was on ESPN, Big Ten game. I don't know whether this was on ESPN. I don't know whether this was on BTN. I don't know. But I know this. Iowa, South Dakota State, is was the worst football game you are ever going to watch. Let me explain to you. In an era of offense, in an era of high flying, in an era of drop back, no one's guarding anybody anyway, 40 points in the fourth quarter, 63-61 is a winning score. In this era, ladies and gentlemen, you got a 7-3 to game. Iowa wins. Why? Two safeties in the second half. 3-3 three to three at halftime. Now, think about this. Three to three at half. Next thing you know, Iowa pulls away with two safeties in the second half to win seven to three. It's not like they got two safeties and said, oh, wait a second. This is going to jumpstart our offense. No. No, 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 no. No. They got two safeties, sat back and said, you know, the team we're playing is so dominated by us, we don't need any more points. We don't need another point. Let me give you some numbers from this atrocity, shall we? Are you ready? You'll never see a box score like this. Three for Iowa in the first quarter. Three for South Dakota State in the second quarter. Two for Iowa in the third quarter. Two for Iowa in the fourth quarter. If you ever see another box score like that, you got to send it to me. If you ever see another line like that, please send it to me. I'm looking at it right now, and it is utter insanity. All right? The quarterback for Iowa, Petras, you want to know why the two best receivers left Iowa and went to go play with Aiden O'Connell? You want to know? This dude... Goes 11 for 25. He's like a 20th year senior, 11 for 25. But he was actually better than the South Dakota State quarterback who went 10 of 26. Running the ball, you say? Iowa's Williams, not bad. 72 yards. Total, listen to this. I don't think you'll ever see this. 
36 rushing attempts for Iowa. 56 yards. I'll give you one worse. You ready for one worse? South Dakota State. 31 rushing attempts. You know how many yards? 33. You will never, ever in your life see a game worse than that. Highlight of the game is always the same in Iowa. Everybody waves to the children that are watching the game from high above in the children's hospital. It's the best thing going in college football. That's it. That's all you got in this one. I don't know what's going to happen to Iowa moving forward, and I don't care. Until Iowa decides to play football like normal human beings, I'm not paying attention, even though they play it's the Cyhawk week. They play Iowa State. All right, Ryan. All right, Dylan. Let's see it. Who is today's woke dope? Meaning the dumbest of all the woke people. There are a lot of woke people. Who is the dumbest of all of our little wokies? There you go. Together, we have worked with our pro-union president, Joe Biden, to rebuild the economy from bottom up and the middle class out. Uh, We do believe that the middle class has a union label on it. With the slimmest congressional majorities in history, we've made monumental progress in the lives of the American people. With your help, we passed the American Rescue Package, putting shots in arms, money in pockets, children safely back in schools, and workers back on the job. With that one Republican vote, we did that with that one Republican vote. We passed the infrastructure bill, rebuilding the economy in a green way, with good-paying union jobs, transportation justice to bring communities together with equity, and with only a few Republican votes. We passed the Chips and Science Bill to invest in STEM and specifically include more women and people of color in STEM jobs. And now we have the Inflation Reduction Act to lower the cost of prescription drugs, to immediately continue premium support for affordable care act subsidies, and to protect our planet by decarbonizing our economy as we revitalize with good-paying union jobs without one Republican vote. And we're not done yet. Together with so many of you, we are fighting for dignity and justice in every workplace. Justice for essential workers who are getting us through the COVID, through COVID risking their lives to save ours. Justice for janitors, justice for fast food workers, justice for farm workers, just for all workers trying to form unions. We are shifting leverage from the entrenched special interests to America's working families, and we will never stop fighting for the people and for the children. With your help, we can face the challenges ahead because we don't agonize, we organize, we unionize. Have a wonderful breakfast. I hope to see all of you soon. Thank you for all that you do. You know, one of the reasons I'm divorced is because, or was divorced, there's a lot, and I've never been happier in my life, uh, is because one of the things I used to tell my kids, what do you hear when you hear mommy talk? Blah, 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 blah. Look, I don't know. Maybe she's right. Maybe they've done all these wonderful things, but the stock market's into crap, or all of our 401k suck. The gas prices are through the roof. People are pouring in 
over the borders. Need I go on? Inflation is at record highs. Supply chain stinks. Our president, 40% of the time that he has been in office, he has been on vacation. He can't speak. He can't talk. His wife, for whatever the reason, is bringing him out there. He just initiated an attack on a political opponent. Uh, we are a mess. But hey, look, if Nancy Pelosi wants to sit there and do what uh, report, or excuse me, if she wants to sit there and do what lifelong uh, politicians do talk about the middle class. Did she have her finger like this? I don't know. They usually do this to us. If she wants to talk about the middle class and families and all the jobs they brought back, look, here's what the Democratic-led Senate did. They, 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 they literally shut down all the jobs. Now they're starting back up jobs, and now they're taking credit for starting back up the jobs. The world is insane, and she is the queen of insanity. That's all I got. I mean, she can say whatever she wants. The guy in the White House can do say whatever he wants. The world's worst-dressed woman, the first lady, can say whatever they want. But all I know is I deal with real people every day, and we are looking at it like, why is gas at $4 when it was $1.79? Why are our borders being crossed in record numbers? What is going on with inflation? Why are the numbers so high? Why are we in such dire straits? Why are we so divided? Why is Joe Biden getting rich? Why is Nancy Pelosi getting rich? Why isn't anybody paying attention to Hunter Biden and what's going on with him? This isn't about what isn't with Hunter Biden. We all know that if Trump were the person that was being investigated, it would be wall to wall. But how can any self-respecting person ever in the history of the media just turn a blind eye? Don't people want to be Woodward and Bernstein anymore? Don't people want to be great anymore? Why do they just turn a blind eye? Because he is on your side. What is going on here that the New York Post, the New York Post of all people, has become the most reliable source of news in the country. The New York Post is where you can actually, and OutKick is where you can actually see things discussed, like is the Duke volleyball player's claim fraudulent? Is, uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, why is nobody looking into Hunter Biden? I don't understand it. I don't understand. I, well, I do, because people can say whatever they want to say, and you are to believe it. And if things don't go the way that they want them to, they just talk. I see it every day here in Indianapolis. Things are going crap here in Indianapolis, but the media guys tell you how great they are. It is unbelievable. Anyway, uh, that woman has been in power for 8 million years. She just made a bazillion dollars, or at least what I'm reading here, made a bazillion dollars shorting a stock or doing something with a stock. We have the most corrupt regime we've ever had in the history of our country. And if you are so one-sided that you don't believe anything of what I said, then God bless you. Open your eyes. Uh, all right, we're going to be back at it tomorrow. Looking forward to getting ready for an NFL weekend and a college weekend. You can catch all this which is absolutely glorious right now. You can catch all this at 107.5 The Fan from noon to 3. But, hey, it ain't going to hurt you to keep it right here at 107, or excuse me, at OutKick. It isn't. You know, here's the one thing I love about OutKick. Man, we just tell you what's up. We do. You know, people that don't agree, oh, it's, it's conspiracy theory. I'm trying to find, I spent a little bit of time trying to find a conspiracy theory on our website, the conspiracy theorists in our shows. And all I see is men and women doing really good work. All I see is men and women busting their hump, whether it's Dylan or Ryan, Davey, Gary running the website, Megan doing great things for me. I mean, it's incredible. It really is. But hey, We'll continue to grow while others continue 
to falter. That should be our slogan. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Thanks to everybody on the YouTube chat. I'm going to get over there tomorrow. We'll see you uh, noon to 3. I will be on 107.5thefan.com. Join me there. See you. Have a great Tuesday.